Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comics Fondle Podcast. My name is Andrew, and my blog is comicsfondle.com. And uh, I'm Vernon, and I'm the proprietor of the Comics Gallery, a fine establishment on the North Shore of Chicago, uh, Lake Michigan shoreline. And, uh, hey, it's June. It's the end of June. I don't remember the last time we did an episode, but it probably was four to six weeks ago. Uh, Yeah, for guys with a couple of lives, we do pretty good, I think, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's time time to go through all the comics that we read, which will include, it looks like, one or two DC comics and zero Marvel this month, so, uh... Yeah, cheers, motherfucker. <laughs> we didn't have to read any Marvels. Thank you, Marvel. You made it easy for us. Uh, we, lied. we lied. We read the Def Lemire Marvel. Oh, shit, we did. Okay. Damn. 30 days, man. It's almost, it's almost like being an AA. All right, well, what are you going to do? Well, all right, we, we, we slipped. We'll try to do better right. and review absolutely zero Marvels next time we're together. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? We got we got some good stuff on tap. I mean, just because we don't like Marvel and DC comics. No, we got a lot of good stuff. Plenty of good shit out there, brothers. And sisters. And, and s- whoever. I mean, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, comic book readers are not just white men. Comic book podcasters are just white men. You know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Remember that pseudo and you'll be just fine in life, I tell you. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. We're the only species that want to sit on at the airtime and talk about it. <laughs> and we're on that yeah let me make a quick announcement i'm sorry let me interrupt you. Well, anyway um to those of there's those few those pe- few people out there that listen to the podcast some of them might be actually be customers and i'm like i just wanted to announce that the comics gallery of will met will be closing after 22 years of unabashed tomfoolery and raising the consciousness of thousands of people with their introduction to various types of comic books. And it's time. It's time to turn the spindle again. And, uh, you know, the next generation of people will find a, the next niche for themselves. But, uh, you know, I have to say it was a damn good run. And uh, I wouldn't uh, – do, do we have a regret on that? We were talking about if I had one regret. What was that? I can't remember what it was. You didn't uh, shelve enough Rob Liefeld. Yeah, I think that was what it was. I didn't shelve. Uh, if I had one, the rest of it was peaches and cream, and I loved everybody. I loved everything to do with it. <laughs> Fuck Rob Liefeld. <laughs> what is uh, the last well, time? What is the last time you had a Rob Liefeld comic on the racks? Uh, when I opened the store and I started carrying <laughs> the comics, and I saw how many I was using for wall insulation, and I said. You know, this Rob Liefeld guy just ain't cutting it. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm barely breaking even with Jim Lee, but Rob Liefeld's definitely a loss leader. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, shit. Let's talk, We're gonna, yeah, let's talk about some comics. Yeah, let's talk about some comics. Anyway, anyway. Uh, up tonight, you know, one of my favorites, I pushed this guy on all the young people I mentor as artists and uh, as an example of uh, the best of what you can do today. And uh, it doesn't hurt that Matt Kent is actually the, on the conceiving and writing end on this either. I don't know. Is Does Ether do anything for you? You're giving I me read look. the first one. You know that. It's Adam yeah. Strange and Doctor Strange. Forget it. Yeah. Talk yes. about it. Great art. Dave, yeah, yeah, David yeah. Rubin's amazing. But mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I understand. You don't have a, a desire to relive the Silver Age homage classics, which is okay. Um, I think it's good fantasy. 
uh, when it comes to comic books. Uh, there's not enough good fantasy out there. I mean, some image people like do fantasy, and a lot of it's just ugh. yeah. You know, I can't deal with that. But it, with Ether, and uh, you you get the honest sense of him trying to. Uh, tell a fantasy story, and David Rubin's one of the best in business. Okay, argumentatively, you could say that he pulls the chariot, the weight in the chariot, as it were. Um, but uh, the first two issues have been just fine, and the character hasn't lost his appeal, despite the fact that, you know, chinks in his armor were shown in the first series. But uh, we'll see how it goes. But Ether's still a strong series, and I highly recommend everybody get that first trade. Uh, Dark Horse is in on that one, right? I think that's their guy. I think it's Dark Horse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ether's uh, strong, shown, shown a strong first couple of issues. And if you enjoy fantasy stories with a really deeply personal slant, I'm not going to say that uh, Matt Kent's reinventing the wheel, uh, but, uh, you know, teamed up with David Rubin, they're putting out a very readable comic that if uh, you're a fan of fantasy stuff, go for it, baby. That's all I can tell you. And this one's called Copper Golems. The series, oh, yeah, Copper Golems. Yeah. You know, and what is that? Like, they, they I, I think, well, you don't know the second series, but it's through the Copper Golems. I think they had one scene so far, like a one panel, and I'm like, okay, where are the Copper Golems? It's issue two, and I still don't see the Copper Golems yet. Anyway, anyway, under, under Brian K. Vaughan's latest. Oh message. God! Oh, did you ever read five? Come I on, did read five. Thank God. Did we talk about this last time? We might. Well, have. we talked about Barrier coming up, but it was a weekly thing that started with Free Comic Book Day, and it published half the first issue, and then it went weekly. Yeah. Which retailers fucking hate weekly comics? Okay, I'll, I'll stay with you along. Oh my god! What a piece of. Well, okay. I was I was kind. I said it was Marco Martin's art project for twenty two dollars. That's about the nicest thing you could say about that it. That is right? about the nicest thing you can say about it. Um, the first it, issue was visually engaging in a way that the rest of the series was not ever at all, or never even attempted it, or even acknowledged that it was interesting. But the last issue was one real stinker of a freaking. I, I don't know much about writing, uh, or at least the mechanics uh, and, uh, you know, process, but when the writer just, like, changes the rules at the last minute and it seems unfair and a bit of a cheat, am I wrong in that assumption or what? Oh, you mean when they do all the language switching? No, Vert, it's a complete nutter fucking cheat. When they tell you the fucking comic's point is that you don't understand, blah, blah, blah. It's... Well, the, hence the word barrier. Right? Hence the word barrier. Oh, my goodness. It's everything wrong with Brian K. Vaughn as a writer in five issues, in four issues. Yeah, it's a very condensed uh, example of why he really has lost his ability to write good comics. Yeah, you know. I has- jumped off Ex Machina screaming. You know that. Like, well, years I can see that. But yeah. you know, he did, a, he did a good job on what was that? I was just packing those up. Uh, Runaways. The, the first, the first run yeah. of Runaways is pretty good. And I'm trying to think of what else he did. Well, I mean, he's not in the Masters League, obviously, but Barrier was such an expensive. You liked like, Why the Matt Last Man, too. I did. I did. I empathized with uh, Yorwick. I'm sorry. I hated those cliffhangers. And I cried when the monkey liked. died. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Barrier was a big, uh, big waste of money. 
Oh, and it, and it felt bad. Like, see, these are the things that fuck us over as retailers. You know, people want, like, Branky Von Saga, so they latch on the barrier, and then they spend, what, five fucking dollars on the first and final chapters of this thing, and four dollars on the ones in the middle, and it comes out every fucking week. So it's a drain on your weekly budget for five fucking weeks, and the payout blows chunks. And let's not forget that started as a webcomic, not a webcomic. You could have bought it for, what, 50 motherfucking cents if you'd paid for it. You could have paid, uh, I believe, five cents for it. I think Uh, that the minimum payment on those, it was either a dollar or a cent. A couple of my customers reminded me of that fact. It made me feel so good as a retailer. (laughs) I, I can't. I can't fucking believe it. So you could read this shit a year ago for jack shit? Yeah, Pretty man. much, man. Well, thank God I'm a Luddite and I paid 4 to $5 an issue. I feel so satisfied that I got fucked in the ass. Ugh. Anyway, right. Brian K. Vaughn, you've lost me. I'm sorry. I don't read Saga anymore. I'm really, I'm done with you. I'm sorry. Andrew is the one with the short span of patience, and but I'm joining him on this one. Goodbye, Brian. I loved you one time. <laughs> All right. Way under the emperor with new clothes. With no clothes. Oh, no clothes. Whatever. I don't know. All right. So we Bad. have to talk about Black Hammer now, which is Bad. not, which used to be a wonderful, delightful thing for us to talk about, but it is now like. Um, the book Black has Hammer. lost a tremendous amount of energy when you read it. That's the problem. I mean, there was a sense of wonderment when you read it before, like you were, he was exploring, like, okay, it was a homage. We get it. But he was still exploring it with the virgin eyes of a nine-year-old boy. Yeah. As opposed to where he's at now where it, oh, really? we got to go through the Sandman cliche bullshit? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that that's that's the problem with Jeff. He's he's either taking on too much work or he's got this thing, okay, i got to get this out and i got a system, you know, a system of writing. And this writing says I just have to do the barest amount possible to write a comic book. And for 20 pages, you're kind of floundering, you know? You're not really well, going anywhere. And then, okay, so it's like, we can't talk about it without spoiling it, so we can't. But we're talking about Black Hammer, Age of Doom. Right. Um, it still features Lucy, which is a valid character, but the whole team seems to have fallen by the wayside. In a, yeah. In a, the whole team in a, is a bunch of pawns. Literally. Um, but, yeah, so the third issue, it's the third issue, right? I it, think we're up to three. Yeah. It's this fucking Sandman homage that you're just not even homage. Like, he's not homaging Sandman. He's making fun of it. And it's well, like, the thing. Readers our age are bored with it. And readers that are young don't even know what it is. Right. And it's just kind of like, oh, so now you're just making fun of whatever comic you could, like, thing you can find? Like, Je- uh, Garth Ennis did that with the boys for a while to some successes and some failures. Right. But right. at least his had... Um, wit. Wit. And also a sense of excitement about it. Like, he didn't cop out on certain things. Like... The boys' handling of the X-Men is the single most fucking disturbing thing I've read in comics in 20 years. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that's a heavy moment, right? Yeah. Right. So, and, and he knows how to do disgusting, dirty humor, and he revels in it. Yeah, but I mean, Black Hammer, Age of Doom, it's just like, oh, the good Dean Ormston art. But if this were the first series, nobody would fucking care about this thing. Yeah, 
right, yeah, something happened here. We lost a lot of energy, and maybe it should just either focus in on Lucy or focus in on the band to develop their story. That's another problem. It's almost like uh, you're stretching the narrative, and we're going nowhere, and I'm paying four bucks a hit, man, and we're still not going anywhere. Because you got to remember, it ended with Lucy going, oh, shit, I know what's going on. Boop disappearing and now we got this new series that i think is going to end with her getting back to that point where she was going to tell everybody what's going on and it's just like so this used for nothing right is this storytelling or is this masterful marketing you know and i'm like uh, you know give me a reason to read your your, your universe because it's even more uh more or less emphasized with dr star which has a really rough time keeping your interest in it. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm the generous one between us, obviously. And I'm thinking four gave me enough to say it was worth reading, but would I keep it in my collection? Well, no. Would you buy a trade? No. Yeah. I would tell somebody, eh, if you get it cheap, fine. You got 10 minutes to kill, fine. But do I really need to read this? No. But, but they're at that franchise building point, which we mentioned in the last podcast, about when you, you franchise build before you have a decent structure to build it upon. And, and what's – oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, your turn. No, I was going to say, what's so disappointing about the spinoff, the Dr. Star and the Lost Kingdom of Tomorrow, whatever shit, is that – the previous miniseries, the Sherlock Frankenstein, seemed like it should have been a piece of shit. Instead, was fucking amazing. Tied right. directly into the Black Hammer, informed Black Hammer, and then it turned out not only was the next series not going to be like that, was that Lemire actually had not, you know, planned on having little Gail actually banging Sherlock Frankenstein because her scene where she talks about it is in Black Hammer Age of Doom 2, I think, is, you know, one of the worst fucking scenes in the whole, you know, any yeah. of the comics. Like, it's terrible. It's just, like, shoehorned yeah. in. And it's clear that, like, it made no sense. And he couldn't find a voice for Gail to talk about this because it made no fucking sense to her. Yeah, he's having some rough time. Again, that sad editor thing, no editor's a dark horse, means that these things don't get caught early on in the creative process. Not to be too crass about it, I guess might be a word for what I'm about to say. Dark Horse is so fucking desperate for any universe they can call their own, I don't think they fucking care. Yeah, yeah, that could be. I mean... They lost Star Wars, they lost whatever they've lost everything over the last few years yeah i imagine they struggle to keep that four to five percent against other publishers like idw and boom and all that that have weird license titles that take off nicely for yeah them. yeah i mean for idw you and i like to reprint stuff well anyway and, and this is further um, did you have a point no, so, no, I, was, I was gonna say and, and to let it go at this that this is further reinforced by the Work for Higher Century that we read this week. Oh, by Jesus. And, okay, at this point, Lemire has uh, a style that's recognizable to publishers, which he sells them to tell stories to fill up comics on the rack. 
because that's essentially all Sentry is. Oh my god! And it's got some pretty rough art, and uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't even pick it up off the art rack and look at it. I mean, there's other stuff to just phase through. But I'm like, I was embarrassed at how bad this was. It was like, okay, man, I got lunch at this cafe and I'm having my sandwich, and I got to write Sentry issue one, <sighs> and it takes an hour or whatever it is. And I'm like, really? That's all there is here. There's nothing. Especially when you consider he probably got a bunch of notes and outline from Marvel. Like, right. What can I do with this? How do I pierce this together to become some type of story? And there's nothing there. There's no dramatic <sighs> book. It's very embarrassing and it's tough. And he gets a bad artist. Marvel's filled with bad artists. I mean, the other thing is Sentry sucks. So yeah, he's a lousy character from, well, a less than perfect writer. We won. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah. <laughs> Jake, it's, uh, wasn't it? Which, no, no, is uh, Bendis. Ooh, wasn't it Paul Jenkins who came up with him the first time? Oh, it might have been. Yeah. He did the series he or whatever. the Marvel yeah, Knights series, yeah. Yeah, Bendis got credit for it later when he went crazy with the Osborne show. Oh, he had to write the crossover. That's oh, what it was. Okay. Anyway, yeah, Sentry was, uh, you're just like, why the fuck, like, if Marvel's got to churn out fodder, why not do another fucking Wolverine comic? Like, well, who's right. going to buy this shit? Like, right. Well, it, it, the first issue, and then, then they've got, they got them suckered, which, it, it, thank God, they only charged their normal three ninety nine. Ooh. Ooh, what a generous offering. Um, <laughs> but it's just Jack, so we'll pass. Lemire, Lemire gets his, his crutches kicked out of him this month. And we go into his next work with great skepticism, I'm sorry to say. Well, especially since the next spinoff series is eminent. The next Black Hammer spinoff is eminent. Yeah, right. And the uh, free comic book day shorty was actually kind of fun to read. Okay. Well, who knows? Yeah. Uh, well, good luck. All right. All right. Did you get to read Love and Rockets? Well, you're not even on Love and Rockets. I'm, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah, I'm 20 get... years behind on Love and Rockets. Yeah, currently. I know. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, Andrew's, Andrew's doing a uh, historical slam. 30 writing. years behind, actually. We're right, 30, 30, 30 right. years behind. I was thinking about that 20 years. No, it's been a lot longer than uh, 20 years. 1987, yeah, okay. 1987, I was 26 when we came out. Yeah, a good, a good year to read Love and Rockets. But yeah. we'll definitely be hearing about you on the next podcast yes. about that. Or, or at the end of this podcast, if we have time. Yeah, whichever works first. <laughs> Uh, kill or be killed. <laughs> That's the masterpiece. Um, you have lost your patience with Brubaker temporarily. He's willing to touch upon this one, folks, because uh, a lot of people have shown curiosity about it, and there are parts of it that are readable, like any Brubaker work. You know, it wasn't too many years ago we get Brubaker. The it, was a lot, it was a year and a half ago. It was two months before this piece of shit came out. Uh, you know, it's just like, different. oh, Ed Brubaker has ascended to the point where he's worth reading no matter what. He's hit the Garth Ennis level of an Alan Moore level of greatness. Then he puts this shit out. Like, yeah. I, w- I will unequivocally say that no, he's not on the level of Garth Ennis or R. Alan Moore. Um, <laughs> there are bits and pieces of Kill or Be Killed alike. And. After the introductory, well, you know, and he has this protagonist that's just really totally unlikable, which, and all the other people are not that likable either, and there's a problem there. Uh, and he has a couple of good rides. Like, it's really weird that Brubaker wants to go on these really long, extended narratives 
but he has these little pockets of stories that he can't resist throwing in there because he knows they're good, right? There's a lot of done-in-ones. In this one, there's this really nice done-in-one with his purple-haired girlfriend that's about two-thirds of the way through. And I'm like, wow, that actually got me into reading it again, and then I got suckered again, and then I got fucked in the ass by the ending. Um, I was not a fan of how the book ended. I it's really over wasn't. now, right? 20 issues uh, and done? 20 and done, right. And, it, yeah, you're, you're going to have a hard time with the end, and but, you know, just think of the little moments when you're going through this book. I think that's the best way to look for it. Oh, yeah, I can see the enthusiasm on your face. I'm going to read it, everybody. Guess what? I, I Before we started, I was like, I'm going to fucking read this. You started it, but it stopped because it became untenable for you. Oh, I understand my God. That. I'm sorry. It's tw- It was 2017. I couldn't deal with Ed Brubaker essentially writing a book about a fucking piece of shit, like, white kid, privileged white kid who, like, it was gross. Like, it was a fucking comic from 1994, at which time Ed Brubaker was actually doing good independent comics. Like, you know, I I worry about Sean Phillips. I hope he gets a halfway decent living off of doing this because there's this, you know, and people like this. And what is it? Like, I'm not, I really don't remember the sales figures, but Brubaker has an audience that lets him continue as an independent, you know, and that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But, I wish that this were better, you know, like he bragged about having an editor on, um, fuck, fade out, right? Yeah. But again, one is absent here and it's a problem because Brubaker knows when he has these really good pastiches and he throws them in there, but then they're littered with, uh, wrong directions and I don't give a fucks and, uh, weird endings that, uh, I don't know. Anyway, good luck with that. Thanks. Thanks, Vern. Okay, so now we're going to talk about <laughs> 28, which uh, is the last issue of Lazarus till the fall, I believe. At which point they're going to relaunch as some sort of quarterly fucking 48 or 72 pager where they have half of it's the fucking back matter that you and I have never read about the fucking world building. Yeah, I, don't have, I don't have time. Yeah, if it's not Alan Moore, Garth Ennis, back matter is really right. hard. To- I, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it ain't Providence. Sorry. You gotta be in the big leagues. I'm sorry. Um, was this good? I can't remember. It was fine, right? Like, it was good. It was fine. It was good. I was really mad because 27, 28 to come back after what, like, I don't know how many million months. Yeah, 18 fucking months. And they take a character that I don't really give a shit about and put him in a a kind of a savior-ish role. And um, I don't know where he's going here with this. Uh, you got to remember as a publisher, though, that if he'd come back with this two-part story, I would say, listen, dude, you need to gain momentum. You need to start with a splash. I'm really sorry you want to tell this guy's story. It's good. It deserves telling, just not right now. Right. And, you know, Michael Lark's been sticking with it. You're right. He's trying, but, you know, maybe these guys have been together for years. How long is Sean Phillips going to stay with Ed Brubaker? I mean, are they going to die together? I think they are. They're doing their first original OGN together next, Brubaker and Phillips. Well, they're going to – oh, okay. We'll see how many pages Mm -hmm. that is. But, But, uh, uh, yeah, Lazarus, I mean, it's just like – and, you know, you can tell Lark, even though they're waiting for him, you can tell he's not that. It took Lark a while. It took Lark about six issues to get into Lazarus. And then, like, you know, he got an assistant a little bit later. But, I mean, now it's just like, yeah, it's it's Michael Lark, but it's – 
Well, yeah, and they've got like a computerized system to simplify the art and save yeah. time. And it, it kind of shows. When you do this kind of thing, it shows. And Michael Ark, with his photographic background, well, he's a wonderful artist, but the computer stuff doesn't really help. No. You know? No. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Lazarus might, I hate to say it, and I don't want to be a doomslayer, but it might be time to either wrap this up in a single graphic novel. I think that would be. I think that would be the best idea. Yeah, if you were going to wrap this up and do it in a commercially feasible manner, no more series has just come out with a 150 or 200 page graphic novel a couple years down the road and finish it in a big. You know, do collect do a new collection of the first 28 issues, then do that. You know, close it off like that. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's time when when something is long in the tooth, you gotta either. Put some electricity to it, or you gotta let it die. One of the yeah. two, I, you know. But we, you know, it, it, to be said, Andrew and I were big fans of Lazarus. We were, and I hated this fucking book. Everybody, I, I do have posts up about how much I fucking hated the first five issues of this book, <laughs> and then like starting at issue six, I was like, this, this wasn't fucking terrible. What's going on? And then like issue seven, I'm like. This is like really good. Then issue eight, I'm like, what the fuck happened? This book is so good. Even at its worst, it's like beats fuck out of Batman, you know. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you know what? You can get them cheap, probably. Lazarus trades, you know, they're they're worth your time anyway. All right, what do we got? Snaggle puss that uh, wouldn't die until six issues in. Yeah, That's so eight list. I didn't. I didn't read it this. Uh, didn't read this one I didn't. Five. I didn't realize it was out. And then once you sent me the list for the podcast, I'm like, oh shit, I need to read Snagglepuss, and you know, it was just here you were this afternoon looking for something to read. Uh, you know, I read <laughs> Sentry instead. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't. Do I don't care how Snagglepuss ends. Yeah, and that was the problem with Snagglepuss. It was an interesting experiment, only not. <laughs> it should have been, but it wasn't. It should have been right, right. Hunter Barbera cartoons. Tennessee Williams, the what do you call it? The something commission of the fifties, the Hueck commission of the fifties. Yeah. I mean, you had all these ingredients. Oh, and nuclear proliferation! Like, right. there's a great stew here, and and, what, and we're not even talking about the confluence of humans and animals. Of, yeah, of, yeah. Like, I still didn't get the the what, how did how do cartoon animals live in the human universe and when they do plays of theirs why do they wear phony noses why do <laughs> humans like, wear phony noses yeah, yeah it yeah, yeah. It, was it above my head in my no, really dead no so, it wasn't above your head i was like why do they wear like huckleberry hound noses and snagglepuss noses and and and, and this is a metaphor i'm not getting cuz you know, I remember seeing films of Tennessee Ernie Forge, and well, he's quite a playwright. <laughs> the problem was is that, like... That's probably not the best way to see his stuff, though. They didn't have consistent metaphor. Like, because, you know, Snagglepuss, the first big deal was that Snagglepuss was reinvented as a gay 50s playwright. Right. And Huckleberry Hound is also a gay 50s now, writer. how many people... That are under forty years of age would even guess the bit about Tennessee Williams. Zero, zero, zero. And so I mean, yeah, how many their- people under the age of forty would guess the Huac thing? Like, I'd say you'd have to be at least thirty-five. At least, right, and then you'd be lucky. 
Because millennials are not that known for knowing their history. That we well, know. millennials are thirty-five now, but I mean, you got to figure in the George Clooney movie. It might have familiarized people with this. That's true. If they saw a George Clooney movie, right, right. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't so know yet. yeah, I mean, it's just like what the f- six fucking issues of this too. Just like burn it, it out. Just ugh. You know what? In in defense of that dreaded last issue, I will say that he ties up his loose ends, and it finishes okay. But again, there was like issues three, four. You know that are just you're like, why do they publish this? I don't understand this. You know, like the other problem was is that like the art was very sort of realistic in some ways, and that was a big fucking mistake. Like. It was this flat Snagglepuss never lived in a human atmosphere before. So when you take a cartoon and you put it in a human thing, there should be some relation. Am I not getting this? Can someone help me with this? I'm really trying. But it just – it made it more confusing and that was the problem because anything that gets in the way of the plot should be Jetson. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. we hardly knew ye. Uh, who was our wonderful writer on this? Mark Russell, Flintstones, Prez. Christ. Well, and he's he did the Judge Dredd that sucked shit, but and then I, I let yeah. him have a pass on that because he probably got paid shoe leather. Um, and it's a Judge Dredd from IDW. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? But still. Yeah, I'm just, I'm writing this to keep my name out there. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, right. All right. Anyway, off Snagglepuss. Uh, I did not get a chance to read the new Kaiju Max. Did you? Did. Um, What'd you think? Do you know what it's about? Uh, it's. I flipped through it, and it seemed. I, I didn't read it, but it seemed to have a feminine look to it. It's about the women's Kaiju Max. Oh, wonderful! So, so gets, once again, oh, Canon skips. Resolving the previous issue, uh, the aftermath. The aftermath. On the other hand, it is nowhere near as bad as season three got. It's. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's off to a exceptional start, but it's on solid footing as opposed okay. to you know the second series one and two and three, which were pretty rough going. I mean, it was a very different feeling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I do Max. I mean. I, I never really thought about it before. I mean, I, I and I'm not saying that the earlier series were androgynous. I mean, they were obviously all male, um, but I never even thought about a female one. And this is what three series in. Does that make me a bad man? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean it. It just is the monster kaiju are not female for the most part. Mothra is the only one. Really, I think so. What does she do? Give birth to all of them or something? Or what? No, she just gives birth to Mothras. They never explain where the fucking monsters come from, Vernon. Well, you know what? what what's, what's his name? Red, not Ragnarok. What's her dude's name? No, not not in Kaiju Max. Just Kaiju in general. Oh yeah, you're it's right. It's not like there's a Mrs. Godzilla. Unless right. the Roland Emmerich, the fucking American <laughs> one, was a female, but. I, I don't think that has anything to do with the times as much as it does have something to do with the Japanese, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> they don't address the issue, you know. You know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I mean, I'm a lot less confident 
in canon being able to pull it off? Like, what if he does the same thing? Like, it's got a great final issue or something. <laughs> like, right, right. When you when you deal in six issue arcs, I think that they should be tight and to the point, and you, you're there because you know when you think about it, 120 pages. What was it? 20 times six, 120. Yeah. You don't get a whole lot of time. You have nope. to make the most of every 20 pages. So good good luck with him, and I will read this eventually. Uh, interesting stuff. Man. Yes! Uh, Rob Liefeld has found a new name for himself, selling his creations off to hire people to do them or something. I don't know, but it's producing it some It started pleasure. with profit, of course, which was wonderful and then a disaster, but... Yeah, Bloodstrike 0 and 23, man. I got that old profit vibe off of it. Like, that excitement. Michael Fife is, oh, and I should mention that, don't forget the Glory series, too, by Joe Keatings and uh, her name escapes me now. Sophie, Sophie something. I don't know. Anyway, um, but again, Michael Fife does the job. Have you had the opportunity to read Copra yet at all? Michael Fife is a uh, oh. Brooklyn-based oh, okay. and he does this book called uh, Copra. And, You've talked uh, about that. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I don't know if you saw the back matter on the first issue of what's this thing called? Blood Strike Zero. And then what, last week, Blood Strike 23 came out because the original number it took over. But he gets these two nice little homages but in the back matter, he talks about how when he was nine or something, he read like Bloodstrike. It was like one of his earliest comics as a kid. And he was just like, so I'm like, my God, this thing's so violent. Is this, you know, Michael Fife is depicting it. And you're like, well, he read this comic about like the resurrected super team that has these violent deaths and comes back online, you know. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, I mean, but they worshipped it. And he talked about how excited he was to be doing it. And, uh, you know, something, they're kind of like nice little gem homages of comics in a way, you know what I mean, for a certain period of time. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because I said this about um, X-Men, uh, that, uh, what's that fucking book that... Next period? No. First look, New Frontier. The one that just came out by What's-His-Face. The, the, Pisker. The re- Pisker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The encyclopedia. Grand design. Yeah, yeah. Grand design. Thank you. Yeah, and it's just kind of like you're like, okay, so sorry, everyone. X Men sucks. <laughs> it always has. But, but yeah, right. But Ed Pisker well, retelling it sucks, they... is <laughs> is just amazing because like he 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 mixes in pop he mixes in sort of the enthusiasm of a reader who enjoys it. Um, he is oh, yeah, able. There's no doubt that he's enjoying this thing. Yeah. 100%. So like yeah. Bloodstrike, I'm sure when Rob Liefeld did this, I'm sure it was fucking, you know, diarrhea. Ditto profit. I'm going to say I'm piece like, of shit, but I like your yeah. And so these, these indie guys who like loved this shit when they were kids come back to it with this enthusiasm, but a creativity that is not well, based. Life is a much better creator than Rob. Right, Liefeld. exactly. Not based in being a bullshit Rob, Rob Liefeld. You know, <laughs> I love Rob Liefeld comics, so I'm going to recreate them as readable comics. Right, pretty much. Like that's what X Men Grand Design is. Like there is so much story packed into these things that you wouldn't have found in six issues of a Rob Liefeld comic. It's pretty you're, at, you're at 23, right? Yeah, because we both fell asleep yeah, at the same yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. That comic is 
fucked up. I finished it this afternoon. That is a, like, that fucking comic, they introduced the main character of the comic halfway through after yeah. you've got a guy who's disintegrating, and that's just, like, a throwaway plot. Like, that, is nothing, much, that has right. nothing to do with anything. Right, but it's a perfect homage, because yeah. that's exactly how it would have been written back uh. in the- 97 or whatever that one was, yeah. Unbelievable stuff. These are two little mini masterpieces. Of course, most retailers won't touch them with a 10-foot pole because for whatever reason, it doesn't strike their Marvel DC rainbow. But if you find these things, you should really read them. They're worth $3.99. He's got at least one more coming because he's doing the trilogy. They're all doing limited things, all of them. And, you know, Michael Fife is an interesting kind of artsy-like guy. Like, he lets his intuition is expressed yes. take over and he's very inventive See, and- this is the shit this is why I wanted you to read that Robocop the last stand that you never fucking read and I told Same you to thing, read huh? really? yeah, okay. that was the one by the Polish graffiti artist like yeah well the guy that wanted what $500 a page or something yeah when I wanted him to draw something for me yeah, yeah. I was like holy shit man you want the moon okay good luck with I, that. I don't actually know I think he might have been quoting me like Polish dollars so I probably should ask more <laughs> but still yeah no like but it's just people. like you know they're these uh, <coughs> they're these straight stories but they're told by artists who actually not visualize them not just stylistically different but like you know, well, shift you know, like the, the narrative uh, distance to the storytelling. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just, it's fun to read, and it, it takes you, what, a good 15 minutes yep, plus to this read. Is, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> they're, not, they're not quick reads. You get nope. your 399s worth. So if you find Michael Feist's Blood Strike, uh, Blood get it. Strike, don't, don't, yeah. Whatever you do, do not go back and read the original Rob yeah. Liefeld. There's no reason to do those whatsoever. Nobody should do that. Yeah. I flipped through the damn number ten, but I didn't get to read it. How did it go? Is he is he continuing on in his uh in his flashback? No, he's no. not. That was a one shot flashback. We are now back to the present after the sequel series that filled in as a sequel to the first arc of Damned, the ongoing. Uh. It's good, but I'm just right. like I can't keep track. I'm sorry, Cullen Bunn. I can't keep track of this shit. Like, it's been a month. I can't. I, like, actually stopped reading this and was like, wait, did I miss an issue? And I'm, like, looking back and I'm like, no, I didn't miss an issue. And I'm like, guys, gotta stop jumping around. Like, now we're getting the daughter, the demon's half-human daughter, whatever the fuck she is, who I think was in the first few series and she was scary. She ate a bird in one of them or something. Really fucking creepy. Great. And it's her story. And I'm on board. And I'm excited. But it's like, I can't keep track. I can't... I I was having enough problems remembering the flashback to the humans who were on the damned team with uh, Eddie and his brother. Full of graft or something. Grift, right. Yeah. who hadn't been in the comics since, what, the first series or something? And it's just like, I can't keep track of what happened to these people. And now we're back to that. So it's like, Damned is one of those ones where I'm just like, and I mean, you can't, I'm looking at it right now, and it's like, oh, the Michael Hurt art is, or the Brian Hurt, sorry, Brian. sorry, 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 Brian Hurt. I'm, I'm sorry. He's a actor, wait a minute. Like, I'm sorry. It's, 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 you know, breathtaking and wonderful. I'm very yes, sorry. Yes, You're not yes. listening to this, but I got your name wrong and I feel very bad about it because like, 
Brian Hurt is the unappreciated fucking artist of the last 15 years. Um, yes, that's true. He's he's in the Master League, but he's not. he doesn't get the Master League. Well, I don't know, with, with Cullen Bunn, again, we noticed that these uh, relationships between a particular writer and an artist that go on for years, that's interesting because it's a totally different track than mainstream publishing would ever allow. But yet we've seen today alone three instances mm-hmm. of creators that have stuck with the artist for years together and that's an interesting thing I never really thought about that from now but we're going to have to keep track of that you know? I mean, you gotta, I mean <clears throat> but that's never occurred on a mainstream level that at least it's a newer I would say it's a regenerated thing now you know it's not original but I think that it's a nice movement I yeah. guess it I is mean, a movement it's a, it's a nice, I mean, certainly, um, Colin Bunn's work without Brian Hurt is very different than the stuff he does with Brian Hurt. Uh, Harrow County is good. You like, you've been reading that and I read the first trade. I just fell off or I just didn't keep going with the trades, but you know, Colin Bunn's Sinestro was, a piss. Like that was a that was a bad oh, well, yeah. hero stuff. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean it's just like these indie guys today who go and do mainstream stuff. It ain't like when Brew Baker did Catwoman. <laughs> it ain't like when Bendis did Ultimate Spider Man. Like wow. it ain't even like when Mark Miller did something. Like <laughs> these guys today, it's just like. They're, I mean, at least some mainstream guy like, what's his fucking name, who's been writing Superman for 40 years, Dan Jurgens. I, I call him go-to, because every time, every time they need a hole filled on Superman. <clears throat> right. Like, he at least, he can get, he can get a Superman comic out. These other guys, you know, they can't, they don't hey, get you, you wouldn't hire him for the damn, but. For Superman, right? So, but no, I mean, it's good. It's just, it's it's um. There's a word. It's uh, impenetrable in some ways. And I've read every fucking issue of the Damned. I've read the Zero issues. I've read the Free Comic Book Days. You know, ten years ago or fifteen or whatever the fuck. It's impenetrable. This new series. Right, right. You you want to get behind it, but it keeps changing directions and introducing characters. And you're like, well, wait a minute. We need to do this in some type of order that makes sense. That makes sense. It doesn't have to be consecutive. It doesn't – you can have flashbacks. You can have done-in-ones. But it needs to make sense when you start it up again. Like, I don't know. Maybe – Well, they had a need to interject that two-issue reprint to the brothers. Three-issue. Three-issue reprint. They colored it. They touched up fine. I, you know, I'm hoping these guys do all right. We always hope. That's the thing. Because, I mean, you know, when you, when you start getting on the, you know, what does Donald Trump call it? The elite level of comic book reading. There's not too many that make that. That's why the word is elite, you know. And we want to make the damn elite. But it won't let us. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think. Well. I think in bulk the damn will damned will be fine. Yeah. Okay. 
but as a monthly, it feels very much written for the trade in a way that maybe the damned doesn't lend itself to, but the sixth gun did. Because you got to remember, these guys did what fifty or sixty issues? Oh, at least, yeah. yeah. And so, I think there's like three omnibuses. Right. They've changed. They've they've learned a lot since the first time they did the damned and the first series, the first arc was great and it really got us happy and really excited. And then they did the reprint of the second mini series from like eight years ago. And then they do a done in one. And now we're starting the next arc and it's like, okay, it's very confused. Right. You, you, you can, you know, if you give us a piece of narrative at the beginning, even explaining it like a silver age comic by Mm -hmm. Morgan figure, that even something as simple as that would help. Give me the characters. Tell me where what I need to remember about them. You know, do that. Right. Give me the intro. Tell me what I need to know this issue, and we're good to go. That's it. And and that would just be like a blurb with a ribbon on the splash page or something like that. It could be executed with that, right? Like Marvel. Do they still do that? They did that for fifteen. I always years. think of DCs as the ones that refurbish you. Like Marvels was always like. Don't forget, it was in Marvel Strange Tales 149. All right. Anyway. Damned. Read the damned. Just have every possible issue of the damned that you own near you so you can refer to it. (laughs) Every time a new one comes out, you just reread them all and then just get (sighs) touch a little about it. Great. I'm glad to hear that. Magic Order 1. Who drew this? This was, is it Oliver Copio? He's never fucking drawn as good as he drew in this. I remember when he did a crossover for Marvel, and I was totally unimpressed. I mean, I was, like, impressed, because the guy's a good artist, but, like, nothing like this. This has some great fucking art. Right. Even if it is just that... What Mark is it? Millar, it's Mark yeah, Millar. It's the Pablo still. Ramondi series from a few years ago, that Claus Jansen book. Remember that? The Angel yeah. one from a few years ago? Yeah. Same fucking book. Right, right, right. Yeah, very much so, but in a more commercial to the point. Mm-hmm. The characters are likable manner. They all have their individual... They're all like the Sandman family, only not. You know what only I mean? It's the yeah, yeah. Um, I hate to give Mark Millar and Oliver Copio credit for, for enjoying the book, but we kind of did. It was a five I mean, minute It's fucking credit. fine, yeah. It's when DC cannot put out books nope. like these if Vertigo are, put this fucking book out, like, we've been saying this for years, and now Vertigo doesn't even really exist Yeah. Anymore, whatever. But I'm sorry. <clears throat> if Karen Berger put this book out on her Dark Horse line, we uh, would be drooling at this now, thing. Doesn't that say something, though, when these two can put this out individually on Image and cause a pretty big splash? And not even need a hookup with Karen Berger or even uh, Shelley Jones, for that matter. Yeah, but at the same time, Mark Miller should be doing, like, his problem, of his many fucking problems, <laughs> is that he actually never launched Imprint, that he curated. Because remember that fucking, what was it, I don't even remember, the, the old man Flash Gordon he did. Oh, uh, with Parlov. Yeah. Um, I would call him Flash Gordon. Whatever. Old Man Flash Gordon. Should be a fucking movie, whatever. Put oh, a long time ago. Long yeah, time just, ago. 
Yeah, and I mean, yeah. all of Mark Miller's movies are ready for movies. They're ready for TV. He is, when people say, who is the most successful comics writer? He is the most successful comics writer. I'm sorry. Yeah. But he, when he's on, he's fucking on. Like that Flash book that wasn't the Flash, the time travel right, the gang, one. With the gang that were yeah. taking drugs, yeah. Yeah, like 75% of that was fucking awesome. I mean, yeah, it was like just stupid mainstream comics but it was fucking awesome mainstream comics right and he, and he, he fucked it up but took, still took a disaffected uh, commercial artist duncan Fogredo, and it's very similar with oliver cropio they're both mainstream artists that did very good and we're just working with him on he changes every single time because he can there's a lot of people that want to work with him you know what I mean? How many artists would say, holy fuck, Mark Bomar, we could turn this into a movie and I could actually get a check. Right. And they all hand in their – I mean, you're right. Copiel has never, ever looked – Never. I mean, you – Remember his, his bulky fucking Iron Man? Like, fuck that shit. His bulky Thor. Like, that's man. not here. That works. Everything works here. Right. And he's gained a cinematic – Maybe mm-hmm. he always had that. I haven't followed him for a while, but he knows <laughs> film. He knows film. He he soaks film reference up as much as possible. <sighs> but you know what? The comic works. I mean, it as, as original as it is, it works. Again, this is Malar's strength, right? I mean, he, he knows how to solve. Hopefully, the magic order takes off because it's fun to read. It was a fun first yeah. issue. Oh. Yeah. Excellent. All right. You're not reading Mr. Miracle. These two are yours, and then it's one for me. So go, yeah. go, go, Adverted. Tell me about Mr. Miracle. Wait, let me have a sip of Cross of Gold, and then we'll speed read. Okay. Mr. Miracle 9. Um, better than the last issue. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, I mean, well, the, the last one was the post birth, and it was kind of. This one's got some nice jupes. Okay, obviously, Mr. Miracle is either A, living in another dimension, or B, hallucinating. We know that it's all in his mind. We know this now. Um, and Tom King and, and Mike Gerardus uh, spin a great tale. Uh, if you love Kirby, this is very saturated in Kirby, and uh, Gerardus knows how to draw Kirby characters. There are very few, they all look shitty except for very few select artists that can draw Kirby characters. It's ridiculous. I mean, Kirby is someone who influenced us all. If you took my generation, oh, you know, draw him like Kirby, we'd all get it. But for some reason, the younger guys don't. I don't know. But that said, read Mr. Miracle 9 if you're already reading Mr. Miracle. Oh, man, Plastic Man, this is a tough Who did this? Who did this? Ayo Simone, and I'm out of the copies. It's Mellow. Someone named Mello, M-E-L-O. That's all I know. Um, you know what? There is a, it's a relaunch of Plastic Man with modern day overtones and the appropriate grittiness that DC thinks all their fucking comics should have. However, it has a horrible misstep when she tells a misogynistic joke in here. And I'm like, whoa. I go, I, I, you know, I didn't really get a chance to reread it and I hope I do sometime. But it came off as horribly crass, misdirected, inappropriate, and misogynistic, which is something you don't expect from someone like you. Maybe right. I'm doing it wrong. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here in front of the you know the tribunal and say it was. I don't know. But it was just weird, and someone else in my store felt that way too. So uh, 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 okay, I'm done taking a dump. 
All right. You get one. Resident Alien. How is this thing coming along, man? It, it's Resident Alien. It's, is this three? That's the last issue, isn't no, it? No, four. It's always four. four. Oh, it was zero through three. That's one through four. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Resident Alien is going to be a TV show. Thank, thank okay. fucking God. Like, <laughs> please give us a Resident Alien, please. Please give us this show. I mean, this uh... book. Not even for the show so much as that this fucking book might continue, that it might have a fucking hardcover of 12 issues of like three or four of these series put together. It's resonating. The premise is so simple and dopey. Any Trump I could get it, you know? I mean, I'm serious. This oh. thing could you know? But it's, um, you know, it's they're in New York, this issue. It took them really? three issues to get to New York. Who is there? Who is they? It is, um, it is, okay, so now I'm bad because I don't remember names. Well, but Indian sidekick, girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. Her dad. Her dad is there with oh, him. Oh, the one who can see him too. Okay, yeah. good. So they're there. Um, and I mean, so you're getting to see, what is this fucking, Parkhouse. You're getting to see Steve Parkhouse, New York City. Like oh, if no. you just want to fucking, you know have an accident of a certain type uh, while watching Steve, while seeing Steve Parkhouse draw New York City, you get to see it in Resident Alien Lost in New York 3. He really is. He really is. And so this issue has him finding out about the alien who's in New York. It's not what was expected, of course, because Resident Alien is never what's expected. Never. it never finishes like that, does it? No. No. And so there's only one left. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? I think the news of the TV show was simultaneous to the third issue coming out. Um, you know, it's Resident Alien. Like, this book comes yeah. along, what, once every 12 yeah. months? 12 to, like, 14 months. It is Peter Hogan. It is publishing it yeah yeah and dark horse and they just this is i mean this is the only book that came out of dark horse presents volume two that's still going right like uh, you know like Vern knows what <laughs> Might as well. I I, i'm just so excited to hear that it may be developed as a tv show i mean this is like one of the cheapest fucking things in the world and and they could just and the writing is so just adapt the fucking comics will you please You've got enough material. Go mm-hmm. with it. It's just so good. But now what's it? It's uh, who, who's our writer again? Peter. Paul, Peter Paul? Hogan. Peter Hogan, Hogan. That's right. Hogan. Hogan he used to do the ABC work with uh, yeah. Alan Moore. Moore back in the day. So he's really capable of weaving a nice tight plot in four issues. He's really good at that. But and, it, uh, it's always a very relaxed plot. It's, yeah, there's it's a like, plot, but I mean, yeah. like. Resident well, Alien it, is basically murder, she wrote. It, it's exactly murder, because the old lady, Angela Weathersby, never, like, got in fights or anything, and neither does this guy. Right. Know, he's not a, right. It's just this chill, like... Yeah, it's just very... It could replace Supergirl on my must-watch list. Don't get ahead of yourself, Vernon! Anyway, Weatherman. Find these books and read them, Jesus. You know, Weatherman, an interesting first issue. It was uh, extended. 
there was an extra what eight or ten pages to the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it needed it. It did need it. Um, okay, this is uh, this is the book. I forget who, who's our author here. I don't know. Uh, it's Nathan Fox on the art, though, right? Right, Jody mm-hmm. Lehoop. Hoop. Uh, I could be mangling this person's name. I'm sorry. It's an interesting book, and it's it doesn't have like a lot of original ideas, but it keeps you moving. You know what I mean? It, it succeeds where a lot of Marvel and DCs don't, because the uh, the the main character, the weatherman, he delivers weather far, far into the future on Mars, and this is after Earth has been destroyed, and so. There's a melancholy about the entire situation. He, he the, delivers weather on the news. Let's, let's on the it. news, right, right. And he's a celebrity, and he's a semi-likable character. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's got a hot girlfriend. He's got money. He's, he's got, got an dog. adorable fucking dog. I know, absolutely great dog. And Nathan Fox just draws the hell out of it. Oh, and I will say that Nathan, in this particular series, at least the first issue, he learns when to stop drawing. He learns when to stop because he can fill too much detail in. And with this one, he does just enough. You know, he even likes his brush lines. It's very cartoony compared to his earlier stuff. DMZ when he's like piling on the blacks. Um, This was another good first issue. I mean, again, it's a limited series. It seems like, you know, I mean, I don't know how far they can take this concept. But it's a worthy comic, I think, your schedule, you know. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's It's image, right? Uh, yep, image yep. it is. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. We liked that one quite a bit. And anyway, moving on to one of our favorites, right? Oh my god, it's so good. It, How it, the it, hell did it... Like, it, okay. It, 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 go ahead. Alright, so Barbarella. Alright, so we're on number seven. Is it seven? Seven, seven finishes up the second full arc. So we had the first three issues where we were like... And there was a fill-in. Well, right? the first three issues were like, holy shit, how is this book this good? And Mike Carey's writing it. It's great. Right. And then four had a fill-in artist, and Vern's like, I'm not going to read that book. I, I know, and I was least. like, you need to read that fucking comic book, Vern. Sure, and you're like, cool I don't like book. that artist. And I'm like, I don't care if you like that artist, Vernon. You're going to love Limited. this comic. All right, and he reads it, and he loves it, because it's Barbarella, and it's great. And so then we have the second arc that it has this just, what is the word I want to use? Goodness to it? Like, I mean, this book has this, not sweetness, it's not saccharine, it's... It's, well, it, 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 goodness is a good way to put it. Yeah. I find the book irresistibly European in its influences. I mean, yes. it, it's almost like he read all uh, several of the Barbarella stories, found out the essence of what makes it work, and repeated it for an in- American audience. Right. Maybe. But, of course, Mike Carey's fucking British, so it's like... Right. <laughs> and And Barbarella is... A character that's beautiful, young, female, smart, but also engages in sensual philanthropy or whatever it is. It has philandering, yes. I mean, it's just like. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, we'll just, I'll just. 
So they go back. So the last issue ended with them showing up in Times Square um, in the past, in the 1940s or 50s or 30s, something in that era. So this issue starts with her and her guy friend, who's just this scientist she knows, and a uh, 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 cop is pissed off, is uh, harassing them because they look weird. Right. And they don't understand what he's saying, and they think he's oh, propositioning them. And they're just like, well, sir, we would love to have sex with you, but we really don't have time right now. It's a <laughs> crisis situation. And right. it's just like, but it's the dude saying that to him, too. And it's just like, you're just like, what a nice, like, future. Like, look at these, you know. Yeah. He brings so much material on board and has fun with it. I mean, I don't know where he gets it all, but Barbara Ella is just a sheer delight to experience. It's wonderful. It's delightful. It's a delightful comic book, and it's from fucking Dynamite, for God's sake. God help us. I don't don't know. I don't know. I mean, let's be real. Uh, Dynamite puts out G.I. Joe comics that has fucking G.I. Joe 80s fans in uproar because of, you know, positive female role models. So maybe Dynamite secretly is doing good work. All 6,000 of them a month. Anyway. Oh, no way. No fucking way G.I. Joe sells 6,000 a month. No fucking way. All right, we'll have to find those sales figures anyway. Seventeen fifty um, tops. You know, well, sadly enough, I would like to see Barbara Ellen get into those kind of numbers. I mean, this book. Oh, can, it's. Can this? If you collect the first seven in a trade, it'd be worth every cent. Oh, of big so fucking heart too. I mean, this Keenan, Yanar, Yanar, or Yanar. I mean, yeah. this guy is just like, oh, he's got these delicate little thin lines. It's just beautiful stuff. And conceptually, he's always visually oh. inventive. Always. Yeah. I mean, the guy, whatever weird situation she's in, okay, say a multifaceted, like, liquid company with whatever it is, there it is. He just draws it. You know, it's no problem. Yeah. Anyway, so, God, just read it. Don't don't even waste time. Did we Go miss to- Highest House? Who now? Highest House. Was there a Highest House that we missed? No, I okay. don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's on hiatus or anything. Uh, I haven't looked at the latest previews right. for August, but it missed uh, June and July. Okay. All right, next. Flavor. It was an indie that caught your attention last week. How was it this time? Or last month? You didn't read it? I read it to a degree. Um, the first issue didn't really grab me. Uh, it had a lot of nice elements, but the stew just wasn't quite there. You know what I mean? A lot yeah, of money the stew is it. cold a little bit. Like, I'm reading it this issue, and I'm just like, why did I like this so much last time? I'm like, the dog was really entertaining. I'm like, the dog's not that entertaining this time. Well, it has a lot. The first issue had a lot. And I would have preferred less with more flavor. Let's put it that way, you know. Ha ha. But uh, you know, I find this would be a good intermediate series for dare say younger comics readers. Yeah. There's enough here to keep them going. And uh so far it hasn't entered Forbidden Taboo. No, there's nothing Although taboo. There is death in it. Yeah, there is death, but Yeah, there is death. I always warn parents there's death. It's either death or sex. That's the two things that 
that parents are concerned about. Everything else is gravy on the biscuit. But, I mean, um, you know, who puts this out, Image? Yeah, but, so, you know, again, editors would say, you're almost there with this thing. Almost I feel there. like the art is not as there on this second issue as it was on the first, either. Oh, okay, so perhaps uh, the, what's that, what do we call it, the pitch? The, the pitch dreaded art. second issue, yeah. We sold the concept. No, we we sold the pilot, and now we've fallen off. Yeah. Oh, now we've got to draw it now. Shit, and I'm busy. Well, flavor. Good for the kids. Maybe not so much for us. Yeah. Onward. Two. Punk's not dead. Five. Yes. Got five Black issues. Crown. Black Crown publisher. Black Crown. Whatever. The label for Shelly... What's her name? Bond. Shelly Bond. Uh, proving she's the new Karen Berger. <laughs> oh, anyway. Our dicks. Anyway, okay. It's good stuff. Yeah. I mean it's it's fucking doing it. Like Punk's Not Dead is really doing it. It's still going. It's I mean, they take a fucking third of the issue to flash back to this world building world building in a way that Jeff Lemire can't seem to figure out how to do Um, almost like in English comics if you're an English person you're you're told to cram as much shit as you think well yeah because you know you were doing a you were raised on 2000 AD in eight issues you know or eight pages you know like Every week you got eight pages. But this uh, Punk's Not Dead, it's so, it's nice that it's so, how do you say, uh, undeniably English. And uh, at the same time, the momentum is there, the characters are there. The art art is there. Can you imagine? Styles, it's kind of cool. It works too. What is it? It was 2018. Can you imagine in 2000? You being this excited about a digitally painted comic? You know, that is what's interesting about this. Uh, The young man, let's find his name. Okay, the writer is... Hissing some, I'll hiss some more. Uh, David Barnett, who's having a lot of fun here. Yeah. And the artist is Martin Simmons. Well, Martin Simmons sounds definitely English. Yeah, he does. (laughs) But uh, they're having so much fun with this. It's like... It's like two young creators. I don't know if they're young or not. I don't know anything about these guys. But there's just so much energy in this thing. And the characters are... You you root for both the protagonist and the antagonist. You know, the old lady, the secret agent from Britain who's hunting down ghosts. Her story is fascinating. And it's in real time. And it works. And uh, Mr. Simmons does three different art styles in this one comic. And they all work, and it's digital. And speaking to an old school guy like myself, this is kind of cool, you know. I, I, I you know, I, I imagine this is what six and done, or at least the st- first story arc, you know. Oh, no, I, I think they might go eight and done. Let's yeah, think. I mean, there's a lot here, you know. I mean, I don't know, how, I don't know how they could tie it up in one. But unless they cliffhang and they're like, "You got to come back." Yeah, yeah. Hey, we only sold five thousand copies. We got to start from one again soon. <laughs> I'm a cynical old prude. 
but Punk's not dead. Great shit, man. Punk's not dead. Black Crown. Um. Yeah, IDW's publishing some good shit. They bought the Arcasia label too, so that's pretty good. Wait, no, they didn't. Don't they publish Arcasia now? Boom publishes Arcasia. And okay. Speaking of Boom, I read Coda 1 and 2. Oh, Simon Spurrier. How's he doing? Simon Spurrier doing sort of a fantasy steampunky fucking thing. Yeah, it ain't the, the, uh, what was that one book called? The Spire? It ain't the Spire. Well, the Spider was a really tightly constructed, like, mystery, you know, and uh, I'm not sure he's there, you know. He's trying a lot of different things. He's doing days. a lot of different things. It is not, well, it's also not that other one he did about the jazz guy. Right, right. That was 75% successful, yeah. food, I thought, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Coda's, like, it's competent, but. Well, how's the artist? The artist looked interesting. Technically, he's a great artist. I'm not oh. sure that he's a great artist on... Narrative. Yeah. I know, yeah, some of the guys are really fond of illustrational type things, but telling a story is telling a story. You know, it, 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 it means learning what to draw and what not to draw. And how to flow with things. And it's just like, it doesn't have the flow. It's, um... The first, I mean, it's a haul, too. The first issue's, like, extra long. Yeah. Now, he did a Vertigo series recently about time travel. Look that one up. I read the first couple of issues, but it didn't sell, so I couldn't carry it anymore. But uh, it had a good, a decent artist on it, too. Got him so bad at names these days. But man, here it is. We've we've rattled off enough comics to keep a reasonably mature individual happy. Yes, there's a lot of... We talked about a lot of things that you can buy. A lot of things. Too many things, too many things. Well, I finished this one, like, punking book, too. And uh, when we figure things out, I, I'd love to talk about it real quick. The Troublemakers. The Troublemakers. All right, so you mentioned this. So, yes, talk about some yeah, Troublemakers. I mean, I, in, in my worldly uh, voyages, I really like to try to find stuff that I've never heard of. And uh, Japanese stuff escapes me a lot, except for it's the words Gagaka, which is kind of like an action-oriented, male-oriented kind of comic. It's really interesting. Like, the Japanese, up until perhaps current day, really differentiate between male and female comics. I mean, America did too for a while, but I think that our boundaries on such things broke down a lot longer than it took Japan to go through this. But anyway, um, I discovered a volume called The Troublemakers, and this is actually part of the Gegeka-type storyline of men's action and adventure, and uh, it's done by a guy named uh, Baron Yoshimoto. My Japanese pronunciation is probably bad. But this was his uh, tag name. He was really named Yoshimoto Tadashi, and he did does this series of stories about, I'd say they're what, anywhere from 15 to 20 plus pages sometimes. They're not too long, not for manga anyway. And uh, they're about people who live like on the fringes of modern society and live under their own rules. And some are helpless and some are very strong. And it has a certain um, Japanese attitude towards ladies and their uh, place in society that might 
be off-putting to some degree. Um, but um, the women that are depicted in these things are never shown in a undisgraceful or, how would you say, I don't know, it's, it's a trouble. And I, 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 the more I talk about it, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> anyway, uh, Yashimoto does a great job with these characters. And uh, his background was like in like fashion manga and other stuff. The guy did a lot of interesting type of human-esque stories. And and became part of, what is it? I learned the word Otuna manga, which means adult manga. So I'll definitely be looking into more of that because I like the gritty type stuff. The Japanese are masters at telling stories of everyday, well, these aren't everyday people, but they're humans. You know what I mean? There's no superpowers or any of that BS. And uh, it involves strippers, uh, longshoremen, soldiers, teenagers. I mean, the guy's all over the place. And this is not going to be an easy one to find, too, because uh, who is our publisher here? One of those rare individual ones, but uh, I don't know, just beautiful stuff. Troublemakers, easily worth your time if you're into such things. But we, we read a lot of new comics. We didn't get too many old comics. Perhaps in the next episode, we'll start talking about some of the things that we read on our own time or whatever we call it. We're only at 70 minutes. Talk, we can talk about some old things. Yeah. So. Go right ahead, sir. I don't know if I mentioned this on the last episode because I'm ashamed slightly. Uh-oh. I, uh, I read through the entirety of the seven, late 70s and early 80s DC and Marvel Star Trek licenses. Holy shit. And um, I didn't write about any of them. I, 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 I imagine someone who listens to this podcast has noticed I don't post shit if it ain't loving rockets anymore on Comics Fondle because I don't know. I just don't. Oh, no, it's what you want to write about. It's what I want to write about. And, you know, I'm sorry writing about how. Lazarus 28 is kind of a disappointment. Seems like a disappointing thing to write about in 2018. We got enough, yeah. yeah, we got enough going on. Um, but yeah, so I read through all those. Um, you don't need to read them. Uh, <laughs> anyone who's listening, I could have to told them. you that 50 years. However, the the the, the this is a prelude to. I then was like, okay, so what is the next disposable fucking comic that I'm going to cross off my to-read list? I'm, I'm scared to ask. DC <laughs> Comics Presents, baby! Oh, you know what? Some of those were okay, but not too many of them. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> the Jose Garcia Lopez ones are okay to look at. Oh, yeah. I was on um, I'll admit it. Yeah. I collected it. Yeah, uh, I think I got up to about 20, and now I'm just kind of like, I can't fucking read this book. Well, yeah, that happens. I mean... I got to, uh... I mean, it is interesting to read that book because... And it's been a while since I read any of them. It's been a couple weeks. I I, I mean, I really fell off hard when I got to my first Roy Thomas one. Okay, yeah, he's definitely not... He was in the declining years at this point, no doubt. yeah. It ran over a hundred issues, Bert. I'm at issue twenty or something. It, it declined for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But it's just like, you want to read about this dick Superman? Like, he's this vain, jerky dick. And it's like 1979. I'm like, he's acting like a prick in, like he did in, uh, you know, the Lois Lane comics where he trick her to fuck with her and shit like that. Like, yeah, he's doing the same thing. I'm oh, just man. Like, this is not a pleasant... I don't want to read this. Like... There are some writers on it who are a little bit more interesting, but nah. It's too bad that like it's interesting to think that Superman would approach someone would approach Superman with, uh, you know, like what do you call it, non-absolving. How is it not interesting? Not but but a warm or something like that, like a repellent. An like, anti-sort of humanist Superman. I'm like my thought or- on reading Roy Thomas's Superman was. If this fucking guy complained about Man of Steel and him cracking Zod's neck, like, Roy Thomas is the last fucking guy to talk about that. <laughs> last guy on the planet to talk oh, yeah, about that. Oh, yeah, because he resorts to... For, no, he doesn't resort to violence. He just writes this fucking manipulative dick Superman in the fucking late 70s, like, or early 80s. And it's just... So I've stopped reading that. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, keep that even keel, you know. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with that shit. Uh, Jerry Conway wrote the best ones, I think. Jerry Conway and somebody else wrote pretty good ones. Somebody, I can't, I wish I could remember off the top of my head, but somebody in the first twenty issues of DC Comics Presents wrote Superman and Lois Lane dating and fucking, like subtly, fucking, dating and fucking. And, like, it was very clear that, like, maybe it was Steve Englehart, somebody like that. But not Roy Thomas. But, I mean, Jerry Conway's were pretty good, too. But, I mean, these were 16 issue or 16 page, 16 or 17 page stories, and they had some shitty backup. Okay. But, anyway, so I was reading some of those. But the thing I'm reading, of course, is Love and Rockets. Of course. The original series, not in trade, reading the floppies. Going through, I'm up to 21 now. It's important to do chronological. It has changed so much in 20 issues, which is about three and a half years, I think. Yeah, the first third or so of their uh, output. And it is just like today I, uh, I wrote a post about 21 and one of the things I noticed was that Jaime has gotten away from the sort of art wank. He's not doing full page splashes anymore. No, his concerns change. Yeah. You know, he's, he's concentrating that energy in how he's doing the narrative, which Beto always did just without the detail. Beto just doesn't have that detail. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's just like, it's so, so good to watch these guys grow i mean you just keep watching them and and what's rather nice is you'll see them abandoned things that you may have liked that are so good that there's elements of their work oh you you see them abandoned and you get mad and you're like well it's because they weren't interested anymore they wanted to do something you know maggie i think you and i talked about this a little bit maggie and the mechanic the mechanic stuff which i'll just point out Jaime only forgot she was a fucking mechanic for one issue so far. He's well, back but, to remembering that she knows how to repair a car, by the way. Right. She can repair a car, do washing machines, and she becomes a landlord later on, yes. But, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm to the point where they have utterly, he's utterly flushed Penny Century. 
which is very strange considering when you think about the first eight issues. And I don't know what happens next, Vern. Don't, don't, you're giving me a look. Don't you give me a hint. It's very different than like the first eight or nine issues of how he treated Penny Century. Right. Fantasy ruled early in his stuff. But both of the brothers center on more real looking life. That's, that's the thing. Not only I'm not, I'm not going to go into depth, but they really start to focus in on real life and le- lose a lot of the fantasy stuff. And then their characters also age, and uh, both brothers like mirror each other in this aspect. And it's just I don't know what, what can you say? It's 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 just fun to be there. You know, what yeah. I mean, it doesn't really change. It really does change. I mean, I'm 30 years into it, and they still have and they have even different concerns than what we're talking about now. And yet, even in the abstract, as mature creators, they still keep me coming back because I always want to see what's on their mind. So yeah, that's that's what I'm reading because I I have oh and I I read um, Young Francis. Oh, good for you! My goodness, is that a wonderful fucking comic book? Really, really. Is that what life in Canada is like, by the way? Because I need to fucking go to Canada right now. Can you help me? What's this guy's name? We got to put his name on the podcast. Uh, Young Francis is the name of the book. Young Francis is the name of the collection. The book was Popat. Yeah, Um, Popat. Great. He works under pseudonym, but his real name was for the collection. Uh, his name is Hartley Lynn. Hartley Lynn. Hartley Lynn. Yeah, I mean, it's it just the guy is like out of nowhere. Like, you find a genius who does fucking comic books out of nowhere, and he's obviously a Canadian slant, and he's good. And he's a great artist. He's I mean, great. As soon as this volume came into my store, I started showing it to the uh, artist that I mentor. I go, look, we always talk about backgrounds and how they're missing. Look how this guy Hartley Lynn does backgrounds. I mean, granted, he spends time on him because it's his work, but he doesn't overdo it. He doesn't waste time. I mean, the guy just draws his ass off, yet his protagonists have, like, a cartoonish aspect to them. You know what I mean? There's They, they, they have less realism than the background. Yeah. Really a, a balance. Yeah. But the character, what's her name, Young Francis, is just adorable. She's great. I wish <laughs> I wish I met her when I was 25. <laughs> Great book. So that's collected yeah. by what Ad House probably or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, or even maybe I, I forget who did the, the the book on that, but that might even be hard to find right now because the first first print was gone. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, you're you're looking at second prints now. Um, but just a beautiful book about a young lady who's in the corporate law world. The corporate uh, law, and I mean, it's just you know. These long, gradual stories, it's just really good well, she has stuff. A roommate. She has a roommate, so they're like, it, they're kind of co-protagonists at first, but then it becomes evident that Francis is the protagonist. Right. Her friend uh, is an interesting character in her own right, and they both have different lives, and it's just, I guess it, this has like a soap opera type of uh, sound to it, but she's such a fascinating, cool character faced with dilemma and is very deep and thinks about things. Yeah. Damn cool shit. Hartley yeah. Lynn. My God, Hartley Lynn, this has got to be one of my favorite reads of the year. I mean, it's going to be on the list. That's for damn yeah. sure. Wow. Glad you got to read that, man. Yeah. 
get that pick up some bum off the sidewalk or something. Library. I, I got it from my public library. Fucking A. People do not realize they can get graphic novels in the public library. It's like true. They look, me, they look at me like they saw Casper the fucking ghost when I tell them that they can go to the library. And I said, and, and since you're in such a lovely neighborhood, you can join your like other libraries and have books sent from one place to another. Exactly. And it costs nothing or just a nominal fee sometimes. Yeah. And if your public li- your public library does have uh, e-books. Yes, and e-books too, right. E-books, e-graphic novel e-books are a yeah. thing. They might not have Young Francis, but they have something good. Yes. So I mean, don't, there, don't forget about that. Yeah, some of them have like time and it's like, oh. You know, don't don't let these resources go to waste. You pay for them with your taxpayer dollars. At the very least, you should explore them. That's my motto. Anyway. Yes. I'm getting into more and more digital stuff, too, as I get to past the retailer stage of life. We shall see. <laughs> All right. Is it time to talk about whatever happened to the girl of tomorrow? I, Jesus, it's almost like a train wreck over there. It's just amazing. Oh, my- God, so Supergirl, all right, so if you missed that, we're going to fucking talk about Supergirl and the Flash. We're not going to talk about Arrow, because we don't fucking watch Arrow, Yeah, right. and we're not going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow, because it was just fine. It introduced John Constantine, and it was just fucking fine. We're going to talk about how Supergirl shat out its third season? I think so, yeah. And, I don't know, ruined the show, I guess, might be one way of putting it. The last three episodes of the season were such... I mean, it it wasn't, like, a big thing. Like, they have a thing going on CW about how they want, like, these overreaching arcs to take over half a season, and that's how they advertise it. the fucking season. Right, right, yeah, they stretch out. And they can't do it. They can't do it. They don't have the chops, they don't have the money. And the last three episodes, just like it's like if you if you take a TV show and you throw it in the fucking mud, and it just sinks at a slow pace. That's how it's like for me when I'm watching this thing. Oh, I mean, yeah, Vern hadn't seen the last episode, no, like, because you know he's kind of busy this month, and I was just like, have you, like, I was like, we need to fucking podcast this week. And he's like, I'm, I'm kind of busy. And I was like, Supergirl <laughs> just flew over the shark. And he's right. like, I'm kind of busy down. this week. And I was like, all right, all right, you know, you know, work on, you know, the store closing, whatever. And then <laughs> two days later, he's like, I just fucking watched Supergirl. Oh, my fucking God. Like, what the fuck happened to this thing? You know, I used to watch it for my brain dead matter on Monday nights with a beer in my hand. And oh, I'm like, my goodness. You know, it ruins everybody you liked. I mean, oh, oh yeah, it, 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 it's just there's, there's so much illogic. It like chases onto like everybody on the cast. It's just, I, I cannot believe at one point during this season, I was like, I love how they're doing this Miracle Man homage with uh, Rain. Nah, they right. weren't doing a Miracle Man homage. No, they weren't. Yeah. No, it's too bad. That could have been anything, but it horribly wasn't terribly wasn't everything just it went wrong in ways that you didn't even, even the handling imagine minute, right the handling of the characters on a minute layer was just oh. boring I, well I, I mean it's like Monel. 
I, I'm so fucking glad Monel's off this show now. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. He's off the fucking show because, you know, he wants a job that is rewarding in some way. But I'm like, how did you make me not want Monel on this show? Right. Well, you give him that ridiculous beard for one thing. It looks like some Prince Pupka from Agent Saturn. I don't know. Why didn't he get a shield? Like, did you notice that, too, that he had a fucking depression in his suit and it looked like he needed a shield? Were they planning on giving him a shield by the and end? He was and then, a royal member of whatever the fuck planet he was from. Right. And they just decided not to by the end of it? Like, what the fuck was that about? We don't have the time or the money to adjust the costume. And, um... I mean, fuck it. Um, well, the so, logic. I mean, the logic shit just kept flying out the window. I mean, there was that one scene where they go to all this trouble to find some type of weapon to use against the witches and and kill them, and then find out it doesn't work after all. And I'm like, why the fuck did you do this in the first place? Well, the other I, thing is, you got the three fucking witches, right? Like, if that was your plan, why didn't you keep Sarah Douglas around, you know, from Superman 2 instead of killing her off in her one episode? It would have been awesome if she came back at the end as a fucking witch. That would have been great. She could have been the sycophant instead of that idiot that burned his hand and lost his life, kind of. Oh, fucking <laughs> Rob Lowe's brother. Rob Lowe's a more obnoxious brother, Chad Lowe. No good, chump, no good comes of Chad Lowe. I said that when he showed up, and I... I didn't realize how bad it was going to get. Right. It, it, well, okay, he gets betrayed. I get that. But, like, all that, like, nonsense. I'm like, God, you know, you're just making this show slog through the mud. Oh, I was just amazing. God, like, it was terrible. It was like they, they used to – they need some new fresh writers and whatever the hell they call these people, producers. Is that the right word? They I don't, don't because you know what? The guy who produces that just got a, signed a $400 million deal. There are going to be no improvements to Supergirl next season. Well, it's all about the ratings, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know, because they did, like, some world setting at the end of Supergirl. Like, well, Stein, her mother died, right? No, her mother just went back home. Yeah, she went back home. That's what it was. But, oh, yeah, and that was another thing. That whole thing where they, she reinvents and stuff. At the end. I'm like, holy fucking shit, you just... Uh, you know, you just like just took the plot and threw it out the window, and she got to do it again. And here, suppose we did it like this, and then they you know rewind time and I'm like, holy fucking, oh fucking hell. Okay, so this is what I said that night. <clears throat> if you're gonna do some useless fucking throwaway, Supergirl turns back time to correct a mistake she made five minutes ago. Right. Why didn't she just fucking spin the earth back like in Superman the movie? It at least would have been a fucking homage then. Instead, it was just this terrible sequence that wasn't even split by a fucking commercial break. Like, there was no tension. No dramatic tension. And you know what? Flash did this too with pretty bad results as well. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, it no did. Way. I forgot about that. Yeah. They like, fucking did that. All of a sudden, like, she's allowed to go back and change history, but The Flash isn't. I go, wait a minute. I watch both these shows. <laughs> oh, there's that, too. There's that, too. What is it about Earth's Supergirl that you can fuck with time and it's not going to mess you up like it does on Flash? And they live happily ever after, too. Yeah, that's the thing. That's a different, you know, it, it always radiates this uh, positive energy, but I don't know. The lack of logic always was charming, but now it's like, 
in your face. We don't really give a shit. Mother. I mean, this show, I mean, all right. So the last three episodes, one of them was their gun control episode. That was the which third Which was episode. a fucking disaster. Oh. Because they try and equivocate and, you know, oh, well, some people just like having guns. Like Lena Luther has a gun, so it's okay. No, dude, it's not okay. She's a fucking supervillain. She's going to be a fucking supervillain next series or next season. And it's going to break Jimmy's heart. Who fucking gives a shit at this point? But I mean, it's like, it's, so you have like all the reasons gun control is good. And then Lena Luther going, well, I like my gun. And you're, they're like, you know, and, and okay, say, I can I respect on, that. It was on Lena's side and because she's always being threatened by people. And I'm like, she never fucking uses it for that. Come on. Yeah, right. She never used it. I know you'd think that'd be the first thing she'd whip out of her handbag or something, you know what you I mean? You notice who wasn't on this in the second half of the season was Adrian Pazdar either. They fucking dumped the second half of Supergirl this season. Really? I don't oh. know. Sure. I mean, clearly they didn't quality. Maybe, maybe yeah, there were some reasons I, for I, it. I, I just, all I can say is I can't wait to get rid of Ruby. She's the most annoying child on television. There you go. She's gone next season, but so who's... Hey. Oh, I'm sorry. What are they doing next season? Do you want to spoil it for everyone, or should I? I don't think anybody gives a shit. They're doing fucking Red Sun. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, you know what? And that's that. I always thought when I saw the ending, I thought that was like the uh, Dimension X Supergirl came back to life as a amnesiac uh, person or whatever it was. I go, isn't it the Supergirl we saw on the Flash Dimension X or something? Uh, obviously not. Well, you know what? Red Sun. It's not going to fucking problem. work. Right, because she always had, like, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's better off with Superboy. I mean, that's right. the whole thing, right? Yeah. Because Superman is the one that changed the universe, not Supergirl. I'm, yeah, why would they latch on to Red Sun? You know, you, what was that? What, what was the name of that writer? Sterling Gates that used yeah. to write Supergirl. You know what? Just go read Sterling Gates comics and start that shit up, and that's fine. The reason the reason that it's um, Red Sun is because they can't afford any fucking star guest stars anymore. So that's that's that way they're trimming the cast or whatever. Supposed they're trimming the cast, and they don't have a villain. They've got. Oh, we certainly ask for more money because now he's going to be on the Legion of Superheroes yeah, for something. in the future and never in the show. <laughs> that, that, that was another thing that made no sense. I'm like, Brainiac is letting you be on his pilot, his ship. You're makes- not that smart, dude. You just know, like, that's, the, yeah. Uh, and, then they, uh, and then he asked them to be a member of the Legion of Superheroes. I'm like, he's, a, what do you call those? Things Cro Magnon compared to you guys. Right. I like, go, oh, that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. And I, I understand why he likes What else has he got going on? I also like how Monel's estranged wife, who he breaks up with at minute she, 15, she should have been on the ship with them and they don't show her. There's no scene where Monel tells his wife he's going back to the fucking future. Well, there's a. Nope. Oh, no. They break right. up. He says, you'll come back to me if you want to, essentially, right? No, they don't even do that. They do the, you know, it was fun or some shit. Okay. Well, she says, well, you have to be true to yourself or something. You yeah, yourself. but yeah, she's well. not in the scene where they go back to the fucking future. Yeah, you're right. The other thing is, 
Wasn't the rest of the fucking Legion supposed to be on that ship? And they they just didn't wake them up? They're in those pods. They never got woken up, yeah. That's kind of weird that they didn't get woken up. Well, it's kind of weird that they introduced them in the first place if they were never going to use them. Yeah. They're like, okay, why don't you have the people who were on the ship, why introduce them at all? Because you don't do anything with them. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? You've, You've certainly insinuated there are more members of the Legion in the future since you were sent back as a small team, like, well, okay, uh, did they live? Uh, who are they? You know, <laughs> you're right. It, it, it asks at least more questions than it answers, which ah, it's probably like a good Trump speech at this point. <laughs> and then Flash, uh, I don't know. I really want to like the Flash. Uh, but they don't have anywhere for him to go this season. And it's like, okay. Uh, Maybe the Back to the Future shit will be fun with the daughters stuck in the past. I hope so. I mean, I want the, what, what was the name of that character back in the day when I was a boy? Um, Encore? What the fuck was his name? Impulse? Impulse, that's right. That yeah, wasn't yeah. him, though. He was fucking somebody else. He was like the grandkid. I know, but she reminds me of him yeah. for some strange reason. So I assume maybe they'll use that. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see if it goes tomorrow. I was rather, I was rather annoyed that they like have her as a cameo in two or three episodes, and then throughout throw her- the whole fucking season. Yeah, right. I go, well, just bring her on the cliffhanger. Don't tease us during the season with her. I go, if you want to put her on a cliffhanger, fine, but don't like sit say, oh, she's gonna be, she's gonna be a member. She's gonna be a member. She's gonna be a member of the cast. You know. Uh, they do that a lot, but like they gotta get these things back on the rails if they want to like get anybody over twenty years old on this shit. That's all they do. Well, I mean, like they didn't do anything with the Killer Frost shit. Yeah, like, and it's like, oh, we're saving that for next season. It's like, nah, you don't get to fucking introduce something in episode seventeen that you're saving for the next season. Sorry. Right. Right. Like Flash's daughter or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah. I'm like, no, you can't do that. That's not fair to people who are. Uh, watching your show on a pretty good basis. Let's put it that way. I, I like my mindless nonsense, you know. Um, I'll tell you what. We'll finish up with uh, the first episode of Luke Cage. And you're past that. Oh, I'm but, so far past that. I can't even. Well, I'm still on the uh, shameless episodes of William Macy. I think he's I think he's the greatest television actor of all time. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Luke Cage. Uh... Yeah, Luke Cage, good stuff. I mean, continues onward fine. Uh, the uh, continued, uh, what do you call it? The, how would you say, is it renewed emphasis or a continued emphasis on his father's, his hatred of his father, which is pretty good stuff. I think he did a lot of uh, food for thought. Yeah. And uh, I'm less interested in Christy because they're making a big thing out of her, but I'm glad they're bringing all the members in because at least you can load up this show with interesting characters. You mean Misty? Well, Misty and Dan. Well, I hear about their Misty and Danny and what's her name? Colleen are coming down the road, right? Who's Christy? The harmless uh, detective. That's Misty. Oh, sorry. Just, just, <laughs> just wait, Vern. Uh, okay. Just yeah, wait. Yeah. Um, I will say this. The episode, The Basement which is, I think, either episode six, five, six, or seven. Okay. Is the finest episode of television I have watched in... 
10 Hawaii. years. That's pretty good. You know, like I felt that way about that one episode of The Punisher where they were counting back in time and they were in the building and the guy was threatening to blow everything up. I go, you know, that's pretty good. I thought that was like an exciting 50. No, I mean, yeah, this is, no, the basement is. Good stuff. It is, it's except, no, I mean, like, you don't know yet. Luke Cage is about to get, it does not go where you think it's going to go. Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know how it's going to finish up with all the issues it raises, but. Bushmaster will redeem Copperhead entirely by episode the end of episode two. FYI. Oh, that's, nice. well, that's cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's you didn't say redeem. Huh? Well, I mean, remember in the first season how you had um, Cottonmouth and then you had Copperhead. Yeah, and it was like a. <laughs> well, yeah. One was his half brother at the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bushmaster makes up for the cotton or the copper or the copperhead episodes. Well, the first episode was pretty good with yeah. him in there, and just, I go, yeah, wait. he's not good. At least because you have to have a pro, an antagonist that at least gives the protagonist a hard time. That's the question. Yeah, it, it's gonna get. Yeah, it's it's it gets really. Does Colleen Wing come back eventually? She does. Um, I know she. Can, I haven't seen the episode where Iron Fist is in it, but she has. Uh, she comes back an episode before that. The Misty stuff is good. Okay, good. Everything is good. Everything at this point, I'm either we're either six or seven in, and everything is just fine. But that's the yeah, these thirteen episode things that we've had problems with Netflix. They always find like that'll be interesting. Yeah, do they? Do they a story that stretches it out. Yeah. So do you have a hint of that yet, or no? So far, so good. It's been hard because I know that there's some sort of twist at the end, and there's going to be a bunch of twisty stuff coming up. Okay, but I've good. been avoiding reading those. Oh yeah, notes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I know I like I like Luke Cage a lot. The guy John Coulter is just uh, has such a magnetic presence on camera, you know. And he's like, I don't know if, if you want to compare him to him. It's like seeing what Sylvester Stallone back when he was a young guy, like a dopey shithead that just knows how to say hello or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it gets really good. I, it. You know, and, I, and there's another one coming up on the horizon. I'm not a big fan of a lot of superhero movies. I don't even go to them anymore. But I kind of was curious about Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm going. Right? I decided I'm going. I want I want to be amused for... That's what? it. I, I want fun. I don't want intensity. Like, I want... I want. What is it going to be? An hour and 45 minutes of fun? I want that right I now. I want that. And that's a lot. An hour and 45 minutes. That's a lot when you look at like a comedy adventure type yep. stuff. That's a, that's a good long time. I, I I like the first one enough to say, well, you know, if they improve on this, I'd really want to see right. it. Like that. So yeah. I, I, I don't give a shit about Avengers Infinity War for some reason, but I want to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Well, weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Avengers Infinity War, I think, is coming out in August on video. So... Yeah. You go that's see fine. you go see Ant Man, and then that's set before it anyway, so you'll be fine. That sounds like a plan. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I have, I have no desire to see this stuff. I mean, I don't even want to see Deadpool two. I don't know. I saw Deadpool one. That was fine. I'm like, I don't want to see Deadpool two. Yeah. I'm, uh, 
I'm good on that. <laughs> yeah, we look for those films and, and real actors and stuff sometimes. I can do that shit. Well, I think that was pretty cool. Uh, we we covered about as much shit as we got our hands on, and that was yeah. good. To, thank you. We did good. And All everything right. went pretty good. So uh, I guess we should say that we're going to reformat things. Probably going to have to try a different podcast next time, right? Yep. We'll see. We'll see. We're going to – yep, we'll figure things out. But we're hoping to – we're planning on continuing. That is the plan. Yeah, the plan is to continue. We're going to relaunch the podcast with the new number one, everybody. Point two or whatever the fuck you call it. Yeah. Point two point oh, right. Comics we'll have a two. zero issue, and then we'll, uh, <laughs> we're going to we'll have it. a lenticular cover, all, uh, variant cover. <laughs> we'll have our long-lost siblings take our plays at the microphone. <laughs> we'll have some spin-off series that nobody wants to fucking read. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll get the lady at the corner to write that one for me. Uh, yeah. But indeed, we will go because uh, I think we're going to read some thick shit. You know what I mean? I want to read some thick shit. Yeah. The Killer uh, came out completed. You and I both want to read that second volume. That might be an interesting idea if we do. Well, we want to do Alex Sinner volume two for sure, but maybe we should do The Killer. That would be all right. We could give that a shot. We could we talk do for about 20 minutes to a half an hour. The yeah. killer alone. I feel so, like I we could do that. Yeah, why don't we think about that? So yeah. that might be Interesting one, and uh, we'll see about the new stuff. Everybody likes the new stuff, and we'll try to get to the new stuff, but uh, we'll find a solution. <laughs> All right. All right. For listening to us. You yes. Real- if you made it this far, I congratulate you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Night, everybody. Night, kids. See you next time around. Bye. <laughs>